Hey everyone, before this podcast begins, we want to tell you about some other arts-related podcasts you're going to love. They are The Conduit Music Podcast, Artsville, Gringo and the Man, Art World Horror Stories, and Not Real Art. On these action-packed podcasts, you'll hear experts talk about creativity, design, the music biz, the art world, visual art, American craft, Chicano art, street art, graffiti, and even stand-up comedy. So be sure to find and follow these great arts podcasts today. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Warning, the Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations, my creative brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast, where we celebrate creative culture and the artists who make it. I'm your host, Sourdough, coming to you from Crew West Studio in Los Angeles. Man, do we have a cool program for you all today. I have no doubt you will learn, grow, and be inspired by today's show. Before we get into our main event, I want to thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to like this episode and subscribe. Your likes and follows help ensure you won't miss any of our new shows, and it makes the algorithm gods happy, which helps us, so thanks for that. Also, be sure to visit our website, notrealart.com, sign up for our newsletter to keep your finger on the pulse of everything we're doing here at Not Real Art for artists and our lovers. A lot of great stuff there. On the website, you'll see you'll get uh, free educational videos. You can sign up for our artist grant for the chance to receive $2,000. You can buy affordable original and contemporary art through our partnership with Sugar Press. And you can become a supporter through Patreon if you want. So be sure to check out our website today for all the good, healthy stuff we got for you. Now, like I was saying, you're really going to appreciate today's main event. Our special guest is visual artist Mona Lisa Whitaker. Not only is Mona Lisa an amazing artist and human being, she's one of our judges for our 2021 Artist Grant. In fact, she was a judge last year for our 2020 grant, and she did such a great job. We wanted her to come back and help us again this year. So I'm super grateful to Mona Lisa for coming back and stoked that she's doing it again. Uh, Mona Lisa works in photography and mixed media. I mean, her CV is long and impressive, and you're going to hear all about it. So I won't go into it now. I definitely encourage you all to check her out online at monalisawhitaker.com, M-O-N-A-L-I-S-A-W-H-I-T-A-K-E-R.com, monalisawhitaker.com. Check her out. But you're going to love this conversation. She's just so generous, just such a warm human being, so smart, so talented. And I'm stoked about her being, as I said, being a, a judge this year for our grant because we have a record turnout this year with our grant. We've grown 250% over last year with our applications for our grant. I mean, the, we launched a grant two years ago. This is our third year and the growth has been phenomenal. So stay tuned for the winners. We're going to announce the winners June 15th, the month of May. Mona and Lisa and I are going to be working together a lot in reviewing the several hundred applications that we've received, which is going to be great. So without further ado, let's get into this and hear from the one and only Mona Lisa Whitaker. 
Mona Lisa Whitaker, welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. This is so great. You're <laughs> classing up the joint. Like, like usually, you know, usually we're, you know, we're rough and tumble over here. I mean, we don't get really smart, classy, cool people. No offense to our previous guests. <laughs> But yeah, but I'm so I'm so grateful to have you on. I mean, obviously you and I, you and I go back a bit. You've been a judge and are a judge for our annual grant, and part of the reason why we're so honored and grateful to have you as a judge is because of your like like amazing CV and your illustrious career and and your deep roots in the arts and and your great uh, body of work and. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just honored to call you my colleague. And can I call you my friend too? Do yes, you claim me? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Yes. Oh, we're friends. I love it. Well, you know, part of the reason why we're friends is because we have a mutual friend, the one and only man one. That's, man you know, one. yes. <laughs> and he's the, he's the linchpin here in terms of bringing us together. And, you know, I know how I met man one, but I don't know how you met man one. What's the connection? How did you guys connect? How did I first meet Man One? I don't exactly remember. I know it had to be, it's probably at least 20 years or so. I met him before. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, geez, I can't even remember. Time flies. Yeah. I remember when he opened Crew West when it was in Alhambra. And then I remember him moving to Winston Street in LA. But it may, I can't remember what year it was, but he, I love graffiti artists and, you know, he was doing his thing. And at some point uh, when I was running, well, let me just back up for a second. I was running an arts nonprofit called Inglewood Cultural Arts. I was the executive director for about 20 years. In that role, I was able to hire artists for different opportunities. And so Man One did a live painting for the commemoration. It was like the hundred year commemoration of, no, it wasn't that. I'm sorry. It was the Helen Lundeberg mural had been restored. It's a a WPA mural from 1940 that was restored here in Inglewood. And as part of that restoration, the city did a bunch of like this, did a big uh, celebration to mark that. And so I said, you know, it would be really cool to show the contrast between like the petrochrome murals from 1940 and the current style, which is using aerosol, which I didn't call it. I did, I made a point to not call it spray paint. <laughs> I made sure to use aerosol because, you know, how right. chaos would ensue. Words matter. Words matter. <laughs> so man did a, a live painting as part of that event and from what i understand one of the one of the staff people still has that piece at her house <laughs> so, uh, yeah so i think that was that didn't answer your question <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> how i met him <laughs> but but i will say we had when he had the gallery in alhambra me and a few other friends would always go to the openings and i met a bunch of other artists and i remember working with him helping do installations or transporting artwork. I remember working with Vile from time to time and doing different activities with, with his gallery. Yeah, and I've been yeah. following him ever since. And Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, I mean you, 
you know, it's so interesting because first of all, if you worked, I think you said 20 years at the uh, Inglewood Cultural Arts Center. Is that what you said? How old were you when you started working? 10? Like, I mean, (laughs) you don't, you barely look 20 or 30. Like like, you got 20 years under in one job already you've retired from. Right. You're, you're, yeah, right. It's like, I saw, I read that in your bio. It's like, oh, Mm -hmm. I've retired. I'm like, Fucking retired, you look like you're 20. What the hell are you doing? It's amazing. <laughs> it's funny because I'm well over 45. Well, not well over, but I'm over 45. I'm 50, by the way, just so you know. Oh, like, okay. I'm 50. So, so okay. you know, you probably, uh, uh, you know, I'm probably a lot older than you, but I'm just saying, like, to work 20 years to be, and I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, I can't even believe I'm 50. Like, where did the time yeah. go? I know. I was the other thing that I did around the time that I started with Inglewood Cultural Arts was I got involved with a group called the LA Collective. It's also Mm -hmm. known as the Collective. And we're in the midst of being part of an exhibit with Love's Remedies. It's a group, it's a micro resident, artist residency downtown with Art Center, the downtown LA location. And so we just submitted some, some artwork for that event. But in 2019, the LA Collective, we celebrated our 20 years since the organization was founded. And yeah. I was looking back at some of the materials and I said, what, 20 years? Yeah. <laughs> it just went by so fast. It went by it so fast. It does, man. So it does. I actually had dinner with somebody last night. Not dinner. We had tacos at a truck. But the point is that it was dinner. But, uh, you know, COVID, safe, uh, you know, whatever. And he was saying to me, he goes, you know, he's like, yeah, he's like, 2020 went by so fast. I was like, I was like, that's saying something, right? Because 2020 was like a hell of a year. And for for, it, for him to say that it went by fast, I was like, because that's what time does. Like in the moment, it can feel long, but, you know, it goes by so fast. I mean, tell me about the work that you did there, you know, at the Cultural Arts Center, because, you know, after 20 years, I know, you know, you must be so proud of the work you did there and the programs and 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 what have you. So so take us through that journey a little bit, because that was super important work. OK, well, one thing I will I'll start with is I actually got the connection to Inglewood Cultural Arts because of the work that I was doing with L.A. Collective. Mm-hmm. And before the L.A. Collective, I was doing work with an organization called Black Gallery, which was mm-hmm. in what's called Santa Barbara Plaza. It's near the Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Mall. I don't know what the new name is now, but there was a little strip mall area where they had, there was a gallery called Black Gallery and they focused on Black photographers. And so I was a young whippersnapper at the time. (laughs) I volunteered to help out there and I met a lot of other Black photographers because that's, you know, there's not many of us. And through that connection, I met... Michael Massenberg, who is, Michael Massenberg is a public artist. He's done a lot of murals here in Inglewood and for Metro. And so he's a founder of the LA Collective and he's also a founder of Inglewood Cultural Arts. And so he recommended me for the position with Inglewood Cultural Arts. And I started as the artistic director, helping the executive director at the time, Mm-hmm. who's a woman named Gina Lamb. And so I the one of the first things I did was send out information for calls for work, particularly public art. And so that was mm-hmm. like, 
I did not know such a thing existed. I mean, I seen pub public art around, you know, in my life, but I didn't, I didn't understand it. I didn't have a connection to it. I knew it was there, but I didn't know how it came right. about. And so, yeah. it's just there, it's part of the scenery. Yeah. yeah, and it was, but it was, it was really wonderful to see all of the materials come in and people's narrative and their work samples about, oh, this is what I propose for the project. And since then, I've seen so many different versions and managed different programs. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience. But it started off, my work with ICA started, the first thing I did was help send out the calls for um, artists for one of the projects, which was a the temporary artwork project. And then mm -hmm. we did one for permanent murals, which are still up. So this is all in, in the year 2000. <laughs> yeah, and right. um, over the course of the time I was with Inglewood Cultural Arts, we did um, a number of other large-scale murals. We did Afro-Latin Festival at Sentinella Park, otherwise known as Vincent Park here in Inglewood. Mm -hmm. And we did an artist mentorship program with youth. So we paired, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, four artists with each artist had a pair, or in one case, one artist had three students working with them so they could learn about pursuing the arts as a as a career path. Um, yes. So that was the last project that we did before I retired. Got so that's it. in a nutshell. But the thing that I need to mention, the thing that I'm most, most proud of with the work that I did with Inglewood Cultural Arts is advocating for artists because one of the... Inglewood Cultural Arts came out of the Cultural Arts Master Plan that the city of Inglewood did. It's like in the mid 90s. And okay. what they did was they gathered artists who lived here in Inglewood and community members. Everybody came together, did a big focus group and said, hey, what do you want for the arts? And so yeah. that master plan was drawn up and it was used as some of the founding documents, so to speak, or points of mm -hmm. reference for Inglewood Cultural Arts. And so when I came on and I read that, I was like, oh, okay, cool. We, we got to do this. And so one of the things that I did was to make it a point to advocate for the Artists Live Work passage and the percent for the arts program that's here in Inglewood. Mm -hmm. And so the Live Work ordinance took 10 years because the city was dragging its feet oh, yeah. on, you know, pushing through things. Um, but it finally got passed. So now if someone, if an artist lives and works in their space, then they could apply for the zoning overlay. But then because the city took so long <laughs> to pass it, now there's all these extras. So I don't know. To So far, I don't know who has applied for it, but it's there in, in case people need it. And then... The other thing is the percent for the arts passage. So any development over $250,000, 1 percent has to go towards the arts. And so that program is alive and well and flourishing. And I don't know how many of the folks listening know of all the developments that are going on here in Inglewood. <laughs> oh, yeah. But each one has each one. Some of that money is going towards the arts. So I'm I'm really yeah. happy about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a bittersweet issue, isn't it? I mean that the development and you know, and it's great that the the arts are getting funded that way, but it's also sad that, you know, people are getting priced out of their homes. Oh, that is an understatement. 
Yes. It's kind of scary. It's kind of scary. But I do know that there are folks here in Inglewood that are trying their best to, you know, make their feelings known about the developments Mm -hmm. and the speed and the fact that a lot of people are, you know, going to be, you know, priced out and have to find some other place to live because it's going to get to be too expensive here. So, yeah, we'll see. Well, by the way, uh, in that story, you mentioned uh, somebody who I just am honored to know as well and have worked uh, with him and just think of him as being one of the most wonderful, beautiful humans I know. But uh, Mr. Massenberg, mm-hmm. what what an awesome dude. <laughs> he is. He is. Yeah. I've known him for like more than 20 years now. Oof, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've worked on many, many projects together. And he's he's another great person that he's an artist. He's a visual artist, a public artist, but he's also a very strong advocate for the arts, for other artists, for youth. And he always, uh, you know, tries to connect people with opportunities. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a really cool thing. That's yeah. That that's his thing. I, you know, and I'm just realizing that I haven't, he hasn't been on the podcast either, which, you know, I'm a bad friend. I got to reach out to him <laughs> and get his ass on the podcast because, you know, you know, I've known him too long. You know, I guess yeah, that, that's why, you know, what a, speaks to his humanity that he would put up with my shit like that because uh, <laughs> I don't know that, you know, other people would like be so patient, but yeah, I got to get him. I got to get him on here. He's, he's fantastic. So why photography, Mona Lisa? And by the way, Mona Lisa, how did you end up with like the name? As an artist, was was your mom like a, a, a huge fan of the Mona Lisa painting? Like, what's the story there? Okay, well, I know you're probably sick of this question, but I'm sorry, we got to ask. No, it's okay. I'm just glad you didn't sing because <laughs> I've been, I've had so many times where people sang to me and they were off key. <laughs> oh, please. So, but my name came about because my mom had a friend in high school with the name. And so I'm her firstborn and my mom really liked to, she liked to draw and Uh paint. And so she said, okay, that's, that's going to be my, she's honoring, she honored her friend. Yes. Yes. You know, that's beautiful. Yes. That's fantastic. And by the way, I totally understand you about the singing thing because I happen to be, uh, I was born in Gary, Indiana. And uh-huh. um, when people hear that I was born in Gary, Indiana, they, of course, want to start singing yeah. that song. And I'm just like, no, 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 please stop. Stop right there. But we digress. I mean, the real question I wanted to get to was why photography? How photography? Oh, boy. Okay. All right. So this is this will be public knowledge now because only it's I think only people who have heard this story, like close family members and maybe the Fulbright committee, because I included this, I think I included in my Fulbright application, but I actually started learning about photography because I wanted to be an archaeologist. Because I've always, always, always loved um, history and culture. And mm-hmm. so when I, way back when I was in high school, <laughs> I said, oh, you know, I know that, you know, when when you're an archaeologist and you're on a dig and, you know, you're going to these different places, you need to document everything. Well, I want to save some money. I want to learn photography. That way I don't have to hire a photographer. <laughs> so I was like, all right, that's what I'm going to do. Of you. And so 
the rest is history because I didn't, right. I didn't, how you, yeah, I didn't know that there was a way. I didn't know at that time that photography could be artistic. I just thought of it as, you know, documenting objects. Sure, so, sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It turns out you you like to film better than you like dirt, right? Yes, like you, you, you yes. know, he's <laughs> like, wait a minute. <laughs> I can make photography and not get dirty at the same time. Uh, <laughs> wow. So, so that was the pivot right on, right on. I love that. You're this very efficient, resourceful, cost savings uh, attitude of yours. Yes. Yes. But then when I, I started studying photography and I discovered, oh, there's all these different types of photography and, you know, I studied um, commercial photography and I was interested in that for a minute. But then I was like, Ugh, I don't want to deal with the headache of, you know, trying to do big productions and all that. I wasn't interested in that. So yeah. um, I started looking more into fine art photography because I can I didn't want anyone telling me what to do. <laughs> yeah, clients so, suck. I don't have to worry about art directors, account executives with ad agencies or anything. I could just do my own thing with fine art photography. So it just stuck. So, yeah. Right. So I just stuck. Yeah, well, that. you know, you're speaking to somebody who comes from the commercial art side <laughs> of things. And I can tell you, you picked, you made the right choice. <laughs> clients suck. You know, the business is great if it's not for the clients. It'd be perfect if it wasn't for the clients. <laughs> well, that's cool. So how old were you then when you got your first camera? Probably maybe about 15 or 16, something like that. Right, right. Do you remember what it was? I was in high school. I was in high school. So I took, I'm a proud alum of Venice High in Venice. Okay. The OG Venice, not the new Venice. And my photography instructor was Larry Shapiro. And I think I was in, I was either 15 or 16. And I learned how to, of course, use a camera, develop film, print, all of that good stuff um, in high school, which kids don't get that, that, you know, opportunity today. So, yeah, I think it was about 15 or 16 when I got my first camera. Yeah, that's great. Do you remember what it was? Was it a Nikon, Minolta, the Yashica? It was a Yashica. Yashica? Yashica. Yes, it was. I was so happy. I knew I liked you for a reason because my my first camera was a Yashica. What is it? It was. Oh, it was. nice, <laughs> nice, nice. That's why I to pull it out. I mean, who knows you seek it? <laughs> I know. I was surprised you mentioned it. I was like, let's see if he's going to mention it because not many people. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's, it's, the story is, is you know, being from the Midwest and being a kid of the 70s, you know, Kmart was a thing, you Kmart. know, and Kmart. <laughs> and I saved my, my dad. I wanted, he had a camera. My dad had a camera. And, you know, you want to be like your dad. Right. So or whatever. So so I was like, OK, well, I want a camera. And he's like, well, you got to if you want a camera, you got to save your money and, you know, buy it yourself. So I was like, OK, you know, I'm game on. And we he took me to Kmart and there was a camera that, you know, back in the day that a camera, you know, department, right. And he had a Yashica SLR, you know, 35 millimeter, whatever. It was lens. It was an interchangeable lens, you know. And I put it on layaway. It was on layaway for like, I don't know, six, eight months or something. You know, I'd go and I'd pay a little five bucks, a little 10 bucks, whatever. Eventually I got it out. So that was, that was special, you know, like, you know, I, I, that meant a lot to me. So yeah. So the, the fact that your first camera was a Yashica, I mean, yes. you know, like we bonded. Yes. Oh, yes. 
I think I used that camera for like 10 or 15 years and I only, I reluctantly bought another camera because, you know, I was like, this one's working fine, but I think I needed another, a different lens because of whatever I was doing at the time. So I was like, ah, okay. And I, I still have that Yashica. It's in the cabinet right now in a, in a uh, box. Lucky <laughs> you, know? you. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what happened oh, yeah. to mine. I'm so bummed, but uh, yeah. that's so great that you have it. Do you ever pull it out and use it? No, not yet. And well, actually I started looking at all my cameras and thinking, oh, you know, it would be nice to actually shoot a roll of film rather than doing digital stuff. Cause I prefer film, but I know it's, you know, it's hard to, you know, get it processed and printed and everything today compared to before. But I just pulled out some of my cameras probably about a couple months ago. So I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to shoot first because I have 35 millimeters and I have a two and a quarter Kawa camera, which I love. Oh, wow. So I'll probably shoot the Kawa first, though. Because I've I've I haven't shot that in a while, but that's well, my you're favorite. next level now. Because I mean, you're shooting on like bizarre substrates and incorporating, you know, like intro, super interesting materials in your process. And you know, you're not you've grown up. You're way beyond that uh, simple film, thirty five millimeter Yashica camera. That's true, but <laughs> you know, I don't. the The thing that is has been hard for me is getting caught up with the current technology. So I remember, and I know I'm going to age myself, I remember back in the day sandwiching a negative. Do people even know what that is today? You know what? I'm not sure I know. So (laughs) break it down for us right now. You basically take two negatives and put them together on the, the negative holder before you print. So you're mm-hmm. basically getting two images onto one. Now right. you can do the same thing with in Photoshop yeah, with layers. Right. Yeah, ah. right. Uh, no, fuck that shit. It's this blasphemy. Is it's blasphemy. Right. You oh, have to go through. You have to go through the process yes, of yes. putting the negatives together, being slightly off, being mad at yourself because it wasn't exact. <laughs> That's a time is, you know, and money. Yeah, time yes. and money, man. That, that takes time and money to fuck that up. <laughs> yes, but but there are mistakes that you learn that you that's, benefit that's, from later. And now totally. today it's not so much. You know, you can ah, oh, damn, I messed up. You can fix it really quick. So I I don't I don't think you learn as well. In my my biased opinion, <laughs> I don't think people learn as much uh, today with the tools they're using as they could using analog photography. Well, right. And they, sir, they don't have the context and the history and they may not appreciate that, like what layers really means, right? Like what the value that layers really created for people who remember what the old analog process was like, you know, like, like, I don't know, like having that history and that context is I think important on a lot of levels. Right. But also like, do people, you know, like you can print something from your computer, but the newer generations, they don't know the smell of film right. and developer 
Yes. And the chemicals yes. and the yes. fix and tongs. And it, it's just, it was, there's such a tactile well, quality that's missing. Putting the film in canister in the dark, right? Yes. Like trying to get that yes. shit right without in the dark, yes. you know? <laughs> yes. And being really angry because you're like, damn, I know I got that shot on that last roll and I just messed it up when I was putting it on the, on the oh. reel. You know? <laughs> they don't have that today. So. Not at all, man. Yeah. Wow. Well, so, you know, one of the things that I think is really, well, special, powerful, interesting about your work is this kind of focus on what you call like the individual search for divine connection. So talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, why the focus on the divine? I mean, why like, and where do we find these connections? Where do you go to find these connections? I mean, obviously, I've looked at your work. I've seen your work and you know, we'll, we'll encourage people to check it out online at the end of the podcast, but take us through your journey a little bit. Like, how did you end up with, with this passion for seeking the divine uh, connections in your work? Well, it had to do, there was a comment that my grandmother, my now late grandmother made to me about my first daughter, which was, she said that she needs to be baptized or else she's going to go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> when she dies. Wait, we have the same grandmother? <laughs> I was like, no, I can't have that happen. I got to do something. So I said, all right, well, if I want to make sure my, my daughter doesn't go to hell, I'm going to choose the right religion for her. Yes, yes. You know, there's I'm going to choose one the right, right one. <laughs> and so I said, okay, well, how do I choose the right one? Okay, let me find out about all the ones that people talk about. And so I started, I'm an avid reader. And so my favorite, one of my favorite places in the world is the library. So I started checking out books about the different religions around the world. And one of the things that I found was, regardless of what religion you're talking about, the essence of each religion is is very true and pure, which is don't kill anybody, treat each other well, be a good human, period. It's fairly yeah. simple. Yeah. Now, the thing that, that has happened, unfortunately, is people have misinterpreted or used some of the intent behind the religions for pretty destructive purposes. So you'll have someone who is Muslim, maybe not being as tolerant of someone who's Jewish and someone who's Christian, who's not, who's not as tolerant of someone who's Muslim or Jewish. Um, then you break down each, each of the major religions has different, I'll just call them, I don't want to call them fractions, but, you know, different I'll say tentacles. No, that's negative. Different flavors. Okay. Different well, flavors. Yeah. Different shades. Different shades of the same different color. Different shades. Like, yes. That's perfect. Yes. Different shades. <laughs> Let's go with that. Okay. Yeah. So one thing I recognize is one of the things that I came to realize was that all of the religions, they have the same intent. It's just the matter of how, you know, the particular religion chooses to go about you know, achieving that particular purpose. And so yeah. that's, I haven't put it up on my website because I need to redo the piece, but I have a, a fairly large piece. It's like four feet by six feet piece called Witch Path. 
and it has it's like the the foundation is a tree and at the end of each branch is an image representing each of the five major religions and mm -hmm. the idea is that we have a commonality in terms of us being of the earth and branching out to connect to a higher power and mm -hmm. the way or which path a person takes it's you know it might diverge but the base is the same yeah. you know and so that's yeah. that's where that comes from i know it's mm -hmm. a weird kind of <laughs> it's a weird long-winded answer but yeah that's it no i mean you know but i i by the way shout out to your to your grandma too because you know it's interesting because you didn't say that she tried to get you to like baptize in her religion maybe she did but but then you went on this journey so how do you categorize yourself today as a spiritual person i um mm -hmm. practice african traditional religion mm -hmm. and in that practice we are tolerant of all other religions we don't proselytize we don't try to convert anyone you know, in any way, it's just not something that it's not necessary for us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't get me started on religion. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I classify as a born again pagan. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> this is, this is my thing. I like that. But, well, that's a beautiful thing. So then like, so talk a little bit more about how this, you know, pursuit comes to life in your work and, and, you know, talk a little bit about the work, some of the, you know, you just mentioned this one piece, but what's some of the work that, that you've got, you know, in the kitchen right now, you know, some things that we can look forward to from you in the next uh, year? Well, the one that I'm working on now is about moments in life. <laughs> and it doesn't really have anything to do with what happened last year, because I actually started this project, I don't know, probably about. 10 years ago or so. But the question is, how do people measure a moment in life? They say that when you, when a person passes away, their life flashes before their eyes. Mm. And so I said, well, what, I wonder what, you know, what do people see? What, what would someone remember? What will be that light that flashes? What will be that memory that that flashes before their eyes? So right. I started a series a few years ago, focusing on the senses, uh, particularly the sense of taste. But now I'm working out the logistics of figuring out how to capture something like a hug, because now we can't really hug anymore, right? right. But I got to figure out how to do that. But, you know, when the time comes for someone to take their last breath, what do they see? What do they remember? Is it, is it their first kiss? Is it their first orgasm? <laughs> you know, is it an argument they have with their boss? Is it lovemaking? Is it a hug from your child? So that's the project I'm working on now and trying to figure out how to realize it. I actually proposed it for a variation of it for the city of Inglewood, I was a finalist for their Artists in Community NEA grant this past December. And the idea was to take, because it was, it was like I said, it was a variation for the city of Inglewood. And because Inglewood is changing so much, the idea was to 
have people reflect on what they remember about Inglewood because it's changing so fast. So there would be a six foot canvas and there would be an outline of the shape of Inglewood and the people would give me their, you know, what their memories are, what they wanted to represent. And I would create those um, in image transfers and then we would it would be a virtual interactive um, mm -hmm. kind of workshop, but there was another person selected for it, but I'm still, it's part of an ongoing project series yeah. I was doing anyway. So right, right. I'm just doing it on my own in a different, in a different style. So this begs the question, if you can choose, what do you want your last memory to be? If I can choose? If you could choose as you're going out, uh -huh. your, li your life flashes before your eyes, uh -huh. what do you hope you'll see if you could choose? Oh, that's too hard. <laughs> Only <laughs> one thing. <laughs> Only one thing? It could be a number of things. It could be a medley of things. You know what I mean? Like, like what do you envision that your vision will be or what do you hope your vision will be? as you transition? Probably the birth of my children, because I remember that moment very well, as if it just happened, even though they're older. <laughs> Probably knowing and understanding the love that I have for my husband mm -hmm. will probably be, I'll probably see that. And... Probably, I envision a collage of all of the people that I've, you know, been touched by in my life in terms of, you know, they've had some kind of influence or they helped me learn something or, you know, we work together in some way. So I kind of see a collage of yeah. all the people that I know that have... Mixed media. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it'll be something like that. I think it'll be something like that. That's yeah, the answer I mean, for now. We'll see. We'll see. Right, no, no, exactly. You know? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, like, like, because like, that's knows? the thing. That's the thing about the, the whole idea behind this piece is what are the moments like, okay, I'm saying right. that now, but you know, yeah. in another week or so, I might feel, feel differently because something else may have transpired that, you know, touched me in a way. And I said, Oh yeah, I hope, you know, when I'm going out that I, you know, that I'm able to see that as my last memory. Right. You know, when I think in Buddhist beliefs, when you, I think your last sensation that you have before you die, you carry into the next realm. And so maybe my knowledge of that kind of probably mm. contributed to this idea. Wow, that's because, interesting because I mean, know, if that's true... I mean, some people go out with some bad sensations, you know what I mean? Or train, go into like, like, depending on how you die, because like, that's my thing. Like I've totally come to terms with the fact that we transition out of this life. Like mortality is, 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 you know, our mortality is a fact of life and death is as natural as birth. And it's as beautiful as birth. It's just, I'm cool with the fact that I got to go, but I'm not cool with a lot of ways I might go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because right? right. there are so right. many ways to yeah. go. 
Yeah. And that's the problem. It's like, we don't know. And it's like, you know, so like, clearly I'd love to have, I'd love to be having sex and, you know, come and go at the same time as the old joke says, right? That would be an awesome feeling to transition into the other life. But if I'm scared to death, something, you know, something literally scares me. I have a heart attack and I like, I don't want to transition that into, you know, so that's a really interesting notion. You really want to, I really want to come and go at the same time, Mona Lisa. I really do. I mean, this is, <laughs> but joking aside, that, that is, that sounds like an amazing uh, body work. How many, how many pieces in the, in the series are like when you, where, where are you at? Like, like how many images are you working on for this? For the, the sense of taste, that one has six. Mm-hmm. For this one that I'm working on now, I'll say this one has four, but it might mm-hmm. be, I don't know how many it will have in the end because I'm going to have to cut it off. I have to like stop. I can't keep, you know, <laughs> yeah, you can't right. just keep going on and on for forever. So I'm looking at doing either setting a particular end date or marker for, okay, it's going to be these six to represent these moments. And then I'll move on to another phase. But right now, right now it's four. And I just have to work out if I'm going to do, you know, with the big canvas and all of that stuff. I love, I love working on canvases. I love painting and the tactile quality of painting that you don't necessarily get with photography as much. That's one of the reasons why I became interested in doing the image and emotion transfers in mixed media, because you get to, you know, do more work with your hands, which is what I I enjoy doing. And you mentioned your man, is he an artist? No, he actually is an all around awesome, does every thing he trained as an electrician but he was a performing artist um he Mm -hmm. was with a dance group here in la for i don't i forget how many years but he's not dancing anymore because you know when you get older (laughs) well the hips don't work as much yes (laughs) the hips and the knees and all of that stuff but but he's still got the abs so that's good no Uh, he doesn't have abs he doesn't have abs well, you know, isn't it, it's so important, right. To have the right partner in life, you know, like whoever it is, right. To support you and, and, and compliment you. And, and I always like to shout out to our partners and because they put up with us. Right. And, you know, not just put up with us, but propel us the good ones when they, when it's right, it's a beautiful thing. So, you know, shout out to the, to the partners. Yes. Uh, yes. Oh my gosh. They keep us fed uh, and sane and healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, How did did you guys meet? We actually met through a mutual friend. I had, remember I talked about the advocacy around the artist spaces here in Inglewood. There was a building on Warren Lane here in Inglewood, Mm -hmm. which is near the Centinella slash Vincent Park. And it's a two-story building that was a former group home that mm-hmm. was purchased by a nonprofit here in Inglewood that wanted to convert it into artist spaces. And so I am the first person who secured a space there. And then later on, 
a filmmaker, Nigerian filmmaker friend named Toyin. He came, he got a space there and we met and through him, I met my husband. Right on. It's all interconnected. You know, things are, people don't really realize how interconnected our lives are. You know, we're just doing our regular things throughout the day and we come across people that connect to us in ways that, you know, we don't, I think people don't take the time to realize how connected we are to one another. I was just having this conversation last night, you know, the, the magic that is all around that you can't see, certainly if you're not open to see it, but you know, that interconnectedness that you're talking about is part of that magic. Right. And, and if you are open to seeing it, you can see it and it is all around. It's amazing how intertwined we are, life is, people are, animals are, the natural ecosystem. And that's, you know, that kind of gets back to religion too, because some religions respect that and honor that. And some religions don't. And, you know, maybe some of the more predominant ones do the most damage to the natural environment because somehow they feel dominion over it versus the, you know, honoring it, feeling they're a part of it because they respect it and they realize we're all connected. But what do I know? I'm, I'm a born again pagan. We, we've established this. <laughs> it's very true. But I think the beautiful thing about our world is we have artists to show people. Yes. How things are connected. You know, that's one of the the wonderful things about being alive today. We have a lot more access to information and ways to share imagery and thoughts. And, you know, we didn't have that, you know, 30 years ago, the way we have it today. So I'm thankful for that. I just hope that people take more time to, you know, pay attention to it. Because, you know, as you can see, based on what happened last year, you know, we need one another more than people, maybe people previously wanted to acknowledge. Yeah. So... Hopefully going forward, people will take those learnings into account and do what what's necessary to stay connected to one another. Yeah, no, you're 100 percent right. And I and I agree with you. I mean, I I would I hope I mean, I feel like 2020, but for a lot of people, some of us maybe respected and were aware of the fragility of life and, and, and how vulnerable we really all are and how we need each other so on and so forth. But for a lot of people, 2020 was a was a sucker punch in the, you know, the universe sucker punched them for the first time. Right. And they maybe woke up to how fragile we all are. And part of the reason why maybe they didn't realize it or whatever was because we don't maybe have spiritual mentors in our lives and artists are spiritual mentors. I mean, they can be, and many are. And if you choose to Think about it that way and, and and think of art as could it be portals to to a different kind of truth and a different kind of wisdom and a different kind of to me the power of you know of artists and and, and art it is certainly some, right? Because things that are sacred to me and artists and art are sacred to me because I do think of them, I do think of artists as largely angels among us. You know, some of them are devils. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. But, you know, but yeah, man, I mean, like that's I, I agree with you. I feel like, you know, that is a, a really 
important role that artists can take on to help us see the spiritual side of life. Definitely. Yeah. But there's always, life is about balance. And even though the, you know, artists, artists do, um, can show things there are, you know, for people to be aware of, there are artists who totally take advantage of it and abuse it (laughs) and misuse it. But that's just part of, you know, life in general, there's always a positive and a negative. Yeah. Right. That's right. So I'm not naming names. (laughs) (laughs) Man one, man one. (laughs) We're not mentioning any names, man one. Mona Lisa Whitaker, you are such a blessing. I'm so grateful to know you and have you as part of our little family, our little novel art family. You're a your friend, your colleague, but you're also, you know, helping us again this year with the Not Real Art grant. And we've already got the deadlines may one. We already have 40 submissions and we just open it up. So we expect we'll be getting a lot more over the next few weeks. And, you know, and I'm just so, so happy that, that we were able to sit down today. Will you come back in the future? Did I scare you away? Or are you going to, will you come back? Oh, I'll definitely come back. Yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Man will fire me now. That's good. So, but before we go, be sure. So where can people find you online? Oh, okay. So I have a, I do have a website. It's being updated, which I need to, I guess I need to put that a banner on. Every artist, by the way, every, uh, virtually every artist always says that. They say, well, it's being updated. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because you you know why? But here's the thing, because you want to make sure that you have, you're trying to find a, a balance between having older work up and newer work because you don't know who's looking at your your website. Sure, sure. You know, but and then you don't want to have anything up that isn't really truly representative of your work. Sure. So, yeah. So yeah. my website is www.monalisawhitaker.com and W H I. T-A-K-E-R. Yes. One T. One T. One T, people. Yes. There's one T. And I can tell you there's one T because in my family, my father told me that at one point, our family was owned by Whitakers with two T's. And so once we were freed, we dropped the additional T. Well, that is both a heartbreaking and beautiful story all at once. You can try, how far can you trace? So can you, I mean, clearly you can trace your, your lineage back to slavery. Like how, like how far can, like, what do you, do you, do you have specific stories and, and you, can you, you know, it sounds like your, your, your grandfather or somebody in your, in your family really took the time to, to map that out and track that history. Oh no, they didn't take time to map it out. <laughs> it's just, it's just no. They weren't, they weren't that organized. <laughs> this is family stories over the yeah. Christmas uh, dinner uh, uh, party or whatever, right? <laughs> this is just, you know, more oral histories and yeah, yeah. me just trying to make sure that other family members know the history. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure how far, what century it goes to. I will say, like maybe. 18, probably 1870 or 1880, something Mm -hmm. around there. 
So I can go back that far on my father's side and my mother's side, not so much. For any listeners whose last name is Whitaker with two T's, you better, you got some, uh, some praying, you got some redemption. Uh, <laughs> you better get to church. Real <laughs> right. Yeah. And then some, and then right. some. Oh my gosh. So I'm sorry. I'm just being a, I'm being a goof. It's Friday afternoon, you know, like we're ready for the weekend and whatnot, but so that was the website. Are you on social? Do you have Twitter or Instagram or anything like that? I am not on Twitter. I need to update my phone to reload the Instagram app. You're going to have to cut that out. By the way, by the way, no. You know why? Because good for you. Good for you. <laughs> because, because the thing is, so here's the thing. I have a small iPhone. I refuse to buy the newer one. Yeah, right. So I have the first generation iPhone SE, which I love because it's small. Yeah, yeah and, you love it. You know, I love it. But then it's I started having problems. I made the mistake or not. I don't know. I'm just, jury's still out on yeah. updating the operating system. And now I'm having right. problems with the damn apps. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that that's how they get you. Yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully that won't, hopefully that'll pan out. I mean, the other way they get most of us, though, which is interesting, because I wonder if you're vulnerable. I don't, I, I suspect you're not vulnerable to this, because, of course, they always upgrade the camera. It's like, oh, better, better photos, better this, better that. And that always ends up being, like, the exciting part of the new phone. And I know it always sucked with me. But, I mean, being a professional photographer, artist, photographer, you're probably like, no, no, no. I don't, you know, I got my own, I got my own gear. I got my own process. Like, I don't need your smart camera. Yeah. And you know, the thing that that's kind of annoying to me about that is so many people say, oh, I'm a photographer (laughs) because they have the camera on their phone. It's like, no, you're not. If you haven't spent hours in the dark trying to load a a roll of film or print and smell the chemicals and all of that. If you haven't done that, you can't call yourself a photographer you in know, my it, book, it, but that's just it's interesting. So it's interesting, right? So like, I think about that a lot too, actually, because I'm, I'm guilty, right? Guilty as charged, taking, you know, all kinds of photos. I mean, I, I feel because I have been in the dark room and I have you know done a lot of this, you know, I, I cut myself a little bit of slack. I, I do, but the, here's the point. Like I do realize that majority 90% of the photos I'm taking, I'm never going to look at again. I'm not going to see, you know, like they're just in the cloud or they're on the drive and they're just probably going to be lost forever or whatever. That being said, there have been many times when I was grateful that I did that because I was able to go back and maybe I needed like a pseudo kind of image for a project, like a stock image. I'm shooting a lot of like random, like shock kind of stock photo kind of stuff, but it's mine. Right. So Anyway, the point is, is that I think about that. You think about the fact that, of course, I'm not unique. Billions of people now are doing the same thing. So you have billions of people who are polluting. I mean, like we're littering. Basically, we're creating a carbon footprint of data because a photo has a carbon footprint, right? And so we're polluting because we're not going to use it again. You know, it's creating some 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 digital, I mean, some uh, damage to the environment on some level, right? But I mean, then I, but then I get, I was like, what's the, 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 the second life here? What's the here? And I got to believe, right. If, if you think about where supercomputing is going and AI and all this, that at some point they'll be able to synthesize all of these photographs 
across any number of uh, uh, metadata, you know, so, so time, location, whatever, and they'll be able to animate it. And like, I, I see these like movies being created through time and space where these photos get used, not by us, by some person in the future, some supercomputer where they're trying to show the history of mankind through the photos that we've all taken. Now, maybe that's my romantic spin on things. <laughs> maybe this is me, you know, but I don't know. It's kind of cool. I don't know. It's, it sounds very likely because it you know when possible, you, right? yeah, but I don't know. The worry for me is how much all of the image and data collection that's going on with the new technologies. I worry that it's, pushing people further apart. Oh yeah. Sure. You know, because we we need to see each other and touch each other and, you know, hug each other and be in each other's presence and feel the warmth of our skin and just touch is so important. And and it seems like the way the new technologies are going, it seems like it's pointing more towards the AI, VR, AR, all of that. Yep. And yep. It's almost like a creating humans will be the avatar. It seems like that. That's right, what it, right. the, I mean. That's and that's not a copyright infringement or anything. It's just <laughs> you know, it feels like the way the speed at which things are going in terms of image and data collection that will be the avatars. Right. You know, right. in a minute, and all the things that you know, like so many people say, "Ah, oh, look where I am! I'm doing this," or you know, like the Instagram, you know, kids doing the photos of what they're eating and things like that. Before yeah, long, yeah. that will cease to exist. <laughs> It'll just yeah. be an image and not the actual thing. And that's the yeah, that's the right. worry for me. Just hoping for folks to realize, you know, before it's too late, because you know, we still need to have. We still need one another very much in person, touching yeah. and feeling and exchanging bodily fluid safely. You know what? It, I tell my wife this all the time and she just tells me to get lost. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, will you talk to her, please? Like, <laughs> but honey, we need to touch and we need to exchange bodily fluid safely. Get out of here. I'm working. <laughs> but i agree you are so right i'm gonna tell her to call you you better talk to mona lisa <laughs> we need it we need it we, we need, need it. it it's life it's life yes, yes. Um, and, and mona lisa you are life thank you so much thank you thank you for, for sitting down and playing podcasts with with us today thank and you, you have a, you, you have a beautiful weekend what will you be doing this weekend will you be uh, in the studio will you be with the family like what a little bit of both I don't want to do anything. Good for you. <laughs> I'm going to take a break. I had this, you know, allergic reaction to some insect bite. And it's like. Oh, right. You told me about me, this. So I'm just going to. Did the Benadryl wear off yet? Did, 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 it did. did and you... I had to take some more. And I'm like, ugh, I think I'm, I'm going to have to take some more after this. So. Oh, it's really bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm like, all right. Hopefully you can't. I know this, they won't see my face, but hopefully, like, you can't see how much my face was, you know. Oh, you got bit on the face even? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. So, 
you see you how no the light food. is not very good <laughs> you well, can't I, just, see my- <laughs> I mean if you're prettier than if you're prettier than this under normal circumstances like wow okay that's cool you, but you got bit on but you have no clue what the bug was you, you don't no, know what it was. i don't i don't so bizarre so i'll be recuperating just- well so i i'll share this with you because it's it's germane to the topic so mm-hmm. So I don't know. Well, you're in you're in Inglewood, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So we're up here in Encino. Okay. So here's the deal. So in Encino, what happened like two years ago? We started getting these bites, and we didn't know we didn't know like what they were. We couldn't see a bug. We didn't feel. We didn't. You know. And my son was like getting like really like allergic reactions, like really bad. Long story short, I started doing research, and there was a, an invasive species of mosquito that had came in that came in with a shipment through the port of uh, port of long beach and this mosquito turns out loves southern california (laughs) and you know it just loves the climate it loves and it's been moving up and it's now up into santa barbara even and i don't know i don't know if it's down by you or whatever. Apparently it came through the Long Beach port. Somebody was asleep at the wheel or whatever, didn't do their job. And this invasive mosquito came through and they're called ankle biters because they tend to fly, they tend to fly low and and bite the lower part of your leg. But the other thing is they're like all day mosquitoes. Like it's not like mosquitoes that I grew up with back East where it's like, Oh, they come out at night or, or they're, you know, whatever. So I don't know, like I just share with you because if uh, my son is having bad allergic reaction to the mosquito bite, and I just wonder if that was what bit you because you didn't see it either, right? It was like, you didn't didn't feel it, it. you didn't see it. Yeah. No, I don't think it was an ankle biter because my husband, he was like about two years ago, like you said, he was at his warehouse doing some work and he started getting these bites and we couldn't see anything. Exactly what you described. That's what it was. That's what it was. Oh, those things are horrible. Yeah, they're also called ninja ninja mosquitoes because you can't see them, you can't feel them. And and again, I'm going to say this only because it's a fact, Mm -hmm. but I know we're living in politically sensitive times. Apparently, the species is originated from China. It came over from a a shipment from China, apparently. So I say that with a bit of caution because, of course, I know, you know, we're in sensitive times. But the fact is, it's a species that's not indigenous to Southern California, it is a mosquito and it's biting people in the lower leg. So I'm sure that that's what your man was experiencing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not, it's not good. It's not. No, yeah, it's, it's, not. it's not cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mona Lisa Whitaker, you have a beautiful weekend, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for Not Real Art and Crew West for inviting me. It was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to, you know, being uh, one of the judges on the panel and seeing what the artists are up to these days. Because it was a really, I really enjoyed um, being part of the panel last year. So I'm looking forward to it again this year. And hopefully, hopefully uh, by the time we get through the cycle and everything, we'll be able to gather and, you know, the awardees will be able to be presented in person. I know. Yeah, no, that's right. We hope, we hope, we you hope because they deserve it and we want to give yeah. them a real show. And, but uh, yeah, it was a strong, it was a strong uh, showing last year. I'm hoping that, you know, this year is equally as strong, if not uh, bigger and better. And uh, 
we'll look forward to that. But again, my friend, great seeing you. Thanks so much <laughs> for too. being here with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ciao for now. All right. Ciao Bye. For now. <laughs> Have a good one. Hey there. Thanks for tuning in. Please be sure to like this episode, write a review, and share with your friends on social. And if you haven't already done so, please press the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at NotRealArtWorld.